the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The, gospel, the Gospels for the first three Sundays in Lent focus on the power of Christ over the devil and his demons. We began Lent on the first Sunday with that story of the temptation of Christ in the wilderness and his conquest of that temptation. Last week, Jesus freed the daughter of the woman of Canaan from demonic harassment. And today, Jesus performs an exorcism, which leads to a, a debate about the source of his power. The tradition about evil is that God created the devil as a good angel named Lucifer or light bearer, but that he became envious of the more glorious son of God and his envy led him to rebellion and he got other angels to join him in that rebellion and those other lesser angels are called the demons. Two Bible passages allude to and inform this tradition. One is Isaiah 14, which is a taunt against the ancient king of Babylon, whose pridefulness in ruling led him into God's judgment. Isaiah connects the judgment on the king of Babylon with a description of the ancient evil one. Quote, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning! How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations! For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will ascend above the heights of the cloud. I will be like the Most High. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. The connection between the ancient king of Babylon and Lucifer highlights how the narrative of the evil one, the self-exaltation that leads to eventual fall, is embodied in the life of those who follow him. And this mirrors how the narrative of Christ, self-denial and the cross leading to resurrection and exaltation, is embodied in the lives of his disciples. The second passage that informs the tradition about evil is Revelation chapter 12, which describes a spiritual battle between the armies of heaven and the devil and his followers. Quote, war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that servant of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren, who accused them day and night before God, has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, because they did not love their lives to the death. 
It is theologically significant in this battle that Jesus is, that the, the devil is not thrown out of heaven by Jesus, but by Michael the archangel. Jesus won the battle, but he is above the details of the fray. The devil is cast out by Michael, his angelic counterpart. Jesus, God's eternally begotten son, has no equal and opposite adversary. In the vocabulary of the spiritual life, the devil is one of the three enemies of the soul, along with the world and the flesh. The flesh, when we talk about the enemies of the soul, refers to our disordered interior desires. The world refers to the external things that offer to fulfill those disordered internal desires. And the devil is the cheerleader or the deceiver who wants us to believe that these things the world offers can actually fulfill us apart from God's will. Deception and dishonesty characterize the presence of spiritual evil. In John 8, Jesus says of the devil, he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources because he is a liar and the father of it. The constant lie the devil tells us is that we can have what we want on our own terms, apart from God's will. God gives a clear commandment. The devil starts a committee discussion. See Genesis chapter 3. The devil impugns God's motives, implying that we cannot trust him, so we'd better rely on ourselves and make our own provision to satisfy ourselves. The devil tries to separate in our minds actions from consequences. We can convince ourselves that we can have what we want on our own terms only when we can ignore the clear evidence that it has never worked out that way in the past. Demonic temptation deceives us into thinking that it will be different this time. The devil tempts us to take what we can get right now and ignore the future because he literally has no future. And Christ calls us to forego the false short-term promises to obtain, to obtain an enduring eternal reward. And this is the very meaning of the cross and of the Christian vocation. Life in the world to come will be different in one way because there will be no spiritual evil and no deception. We will see clearly and the darkness and the weight of the spiritual battle will be gone. And I think we will be amazed at just what a difference that makes. Spiritual evil can only be overcome by the grace and power of God that come to us through habitual and committed prayer. As we grow in our communion with God, we come to see God and his truth more clearly. 
and therefore we come to see the nature of the demonic lies more clearly by contrast. As we learn to trust God and live by the daily spiritual bread he gives us, the idols that we used to depend upon come to have less hold upon us. Thus we overcome spiritual evil by focusing on God, not by focusing on the evil one. When Adam and Eve faced the first temptation in the garden, their error was not merely that they did not say no. Their error was that in their moment of trial, they did not ask God for help. If in that moment of temptation, they had said, God, come and help us, God would have come to their aid. God's presence would have shed clear light on the devil's words and on the nature and consequences of eating the fruit. Jesus fasted and prayed for 40 days and 40 nights before his encounter with the evil one, and the results were markedly different. The Bible calls the devil the tempter and the accuser. He tests our faith to get us to fail. And when we fail, then he accuses us of having failed and fills us with guilt and shame and fear. People tend to associate guilt with God and religion, but intense self-condemning guilt is demonic. The activity of the Holy Spirit with regard to our sin is called conviction. The Holy Spirit allows us to feel the weight of our sin, but he does so to lead us into repentance and renewal and restoration with God. The devil is interested in just you feeling horrible for the sake of feeling horrible. God will at times allow us to feel the weight of our sin for extended seasons of time. But his purpose here is also grace. He lets us feel the weight of our errors as a matter of discipline to teach us to avoid those errors in the future. As we grow in our prayer, we move from remedial grace to preventative grace. When spiritual <laughs> leads us into sin, we can turn to Christ, whose blood cleanses us from our sin and restores us to union with God and to grace. Growth, however, means learning to ask God for the grace we need to resist the temptation in the first place. As they say, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Thus, faithfulness in our life of prayer is our primary weapon against spiritual evil. As 1 John says, quote, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them, the devil and his demons, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.